0: getting to this point of vulnerability that I haven't been before. Um and just really having conversations about like what's been bothering me and um and just opening up on things that like um uh, yeah, things that were what, my own traumas, um with friends and that it was tough. But it really helped me to, like discover things about myself. Um that I even mean, just through conversation like helped me um I I set me on that right path.
1: Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. You are now tuned into Trish Chat, a series that aims to normalize vulnerability through conversation. Our episodes promote meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes based on personal experiences. Hi everybody, welcome back to Trish Chat. My name is Steph and I'm here with Jess. We're super excited for our episode this week. Before we start, I want to remind everybody um, one refer a friend. This is a new <laughs> this is a new announcement. Don't skip refer a friend. If you have been impacted by any of our episodes, please share the joy, share the knowledge. We're in a pandemic. A lot of people are trying to get to, uh, uh, a lot of people can't afford therapy. They don't have the the means to go to therapy. Podcast is their outlet. If you think this podcast has helped you in any way or can help someone, please share it with them too. Um, please uh, subscribe to our podcast and uh, rate us on Apple Podcast. Apple. I always want to say iTunes, but it is Apple Podcast. Yes, yes. Rebrand. Now that we've done a little housekeeping, as they say in corporate America, <laughs> um, we are going to. <laughs> Eddie's like that's a no for me, dog. <laughs> I'm
2: here. So
1: we have Eddie here with us. Hi,
2: Eddie.
1: Um. We've known Eddie since he was a papichulo in high school. In high school. If you don't know what papichulo means, look it up.
3: <laughs> One word. One no.
1: <laughs> Two words. Two words. Uh, but we've known Eddie how many years now?
3: Don't don't age us, please. Wait for a long time. Jesus.
0: How many years I think though? people... It's been long enough for people to live a full life (laughs) to vote yes at least people who were born when we met are eligible to vote now i think
3: i think border yeah i mean i don't remember Uh, the exact moment that i met eddie i don't think you do but we were at least 14 years old
1: um yeah you remember uh i am not no those people are not eligible to vote yet okay
3: (laughs) But that would make you older if I was 14. You were a little older. I was
1: 15. Right. I'm only a couple months older than you, okay? So, you know, they're up there, close enough to vote. (laughs) Close enough, close enough. Um, We have known Eddie for a long time, is what we're trying to say. And we have had the privilege to see him go through many phases in his life. um, And to go through a recent journey in growing to love himself, which has been such a privilege. And we wanted to do this episode because we talk a lot about many different topics. And the precursor, I think, to tackling all of those topics is self-love. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think it's very important. And two, we thought it was very important because Jess and I are... uh we identify as as female we thought it would be uh very important to have a man of color um on the podcast to give um his perspective so
3: very important so here's eddie no pressure (laughs) (laughs) oh good (laughs) eddie's just smiling like what did i just sign up for
1: Um, so let's, let's start by talking about self-love. Eddie, how do you define self-love? What does it mean to you?
0: Um, I'm trying to still figure out my definition of it, but the mm-hmm. best way I could put it is just, uh, uh, through the last couple of years, I think it's just really just prioritizing yourself, um, to ensure Yeah, that you're being as true to yourself as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And through that, like, tend to find what makes you happy and, um, yeah, what lets you, like, sleep at night and what wakes you up in the morning. Yeah.
1: That's so key. And I want to elaborate on that because I think many of us grow up seeing self-love. Well think that self-love is that you buy yourself expensive things that you treat yourself to um the things that you want or to a spa day or to a massage or whatever it may be and that's a part of self-love um but i think the the key to self-love is to uh really prioritize your happiness and your well-being and a and 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 that is mostly made up of the little things. Mm-hmm. So it is like w- understanding what makes you happy and prioritizing that every day. It is removing people from your life that don't add um to to your happiness, that don't add to your sense of well-being. It is setting boundaries with people. It is making sure that you get your nourishment. It is making sure that you get movement in. It is making sure that you have connection with people. It is making sure that you connect with yourself and try and understand like what it is that you're feeling. It is expressing yourself. It is uh, standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Self-love is made up of so many different things. And it's not just those material things that you can buy for yourself.
3: Mm-hmm. It's a lot more than that. So I'm happy you said that. I think people get 100%. self-care and self-love kind of mixed up even though they're kind of intertwined. Mm-hmm. So,
1: I mean, I think self-care is a part of self-love and I I do think it is important to to treat yourself and to pamper yourself. But I don't think that's enough if you are um if you don't really know who you are and are giving yourself those things that you need if you're expecting others to give that to you right yeah
3: that makes sense
0: yeah and a lot of people i feel like speaking from experience dude don't people don't really challenge themselves and know who they are so they do yeah they just go ahead and buy something take a trip or Mm -hmm. do things they think works for them Mm -hmm. think like that it might make them happy but they're just like mimicking what makes other people happy and you don't really know if that's making them happy mm-hmm. um it's real personal what that means so yeah i mean I- i've done all that <laughs> spend money like
2: yeah
0: buy things that i don't need um but yeah none of that worked yeah so, it's very very personal it's very um important to figure out like yeah it's important to do your shit to figure out what makes you happy
3: yeah totally and i think that's so refreshing to hear you as a man of color say that. I think that you know we talk about we talk a lot about this on the the podcast and how there's a lot of topics that are are taboo in our community, specifically the Latinx community around like men and talking about their feelings, um, and even even using the word love. Like I now that I think about it, like I don't think I grew up around men saying that word a lot, mm-hmm. and then put that together with self love. I don't think I've ever had that conversation with like the men in my family. Um, And that's not to say you don't feel it. We're human. We all feel it. But the fact that you're even sitting here having this conversation with us and you and I talk every day and we're constantly talking about like, you know, discovering ourselves and as we'll get into Eddie, Eddie 5.0 and and all this, (laughs) these different versions of yourself. I feel like that's why it's so important that we're talking about this because I want not only the, the men who listen to this podcast, but um, however you identify to listen to this podcast and think, you know, there are men, men of color in your life that you, that feel this and that may want to talk about this or maybe aren't there yet. And, you know, maybe they need you to help them get to that point. So the fact that you're even having this conversation is just so important. Um, so I just wanted to make that note.
1: You said that and I was like, damn, that is true. I didn't grow up associating those like man and love like yeah together it was more of like providing protection mm-hmm. like that's that was it
3: yep oh yeah <laughs> and i'm sure that that's conflicting for you during your journey right like i don't know i just feel like those things just don't necessarily mesh together in our community um which i'm sure we'll get into so
1: so Eddie, we let's start from the very beginning, right? The path to self-love means that at some point you had to figure out that perhaps you weren't loving yourself. Uh what led you to realize that?
0: Yeah, I don't know where that really starts. <laughs> <There's>, um <laughs> uh, so it definitely happened in my late 20s. Um I I ended up getting into a position where I was working at a, a, a company I've always wanted to work for. I thought it was like, you know, top, top of the top. And it was like in that corporate finance, that role, wearing the suits, going to Midtown. That mm-hmm. was like what I try to set. My goal was to get there just mm-hmm. based off of my upbringing and all that. And yeah, I got to a position where I was Killing myself, working uh in corporate finance for something I did not care about, and um yeah, I was living in this life where I had unhealthy relationships, and I was prioritizing this role uh my job for um I was like killing myself for something I didn't care about, and it was just this constant circle of numbing myself um in order to just assimilate to like what i thought like success was and what my goals were and um yeah i found myself time to time like week to week just drinking every weekend just to have fun and, uh i guess and, like numb the yeah. <laughs> all the stuff that i didn't really care about and yeah. all that just after a few years like a couple years yeah i just couldn't do it anymore like i got to a point where I just started like just pushing all that back and just in my own way being like self destructive um to get myself out of that um and it's not until I started to kind of leave those unhealthy relationships uh work wise um an actual relationship and um even like friendships that it helped me kind of. Unplug from the matrix i like to say all the time you and love see, that <laughs> i love that <laughs> uh, and then just see that like all of that made me so unhappy and like i didn't have to be like live in that life uh that's not what i had to do it's not what um no life i had to be and um and yeah and be in so um yeah I mean what led to that path was just this realization of like just realizing all the bullshit like I was living I was was living a life that I was miserable so Mm -hmm. um once I guess I went through that couple years like yeah it it was like a big wake-up call for me like yo like you really don't have to do that you could do something else Mm -hmm. yeah um that makes you happy
1: I think it's so interesting because in hindsight, it's much easier to recognize this. Um, And also as you do more of the work and you become more in tune with um, your body, you recognize this. But even when we think that we are the happiest or that we should be happy or we are trying to project happiness because we're like, Okay, I got this job that I've always dreamed of, or I'm dating this person that I should be very happy with because they look really good on paper, or I'm friends with this person and you know, on paper they're like the friend that everyone would dream of. Your body and your like your soul tells you, they give you warnings that you that it it's just not a right fit. Like you don't feel good around that person, you don't feel good at that place, you feel like your energy is sucked out of you when you like Leave that that work environment at the end of the day, or when you take a break from it, you you feel that way when you leave the presence of someone. But for some reason, well, we know the reason. We suppress that until it explodes because it that that feeling just grows more and more and more and more intense. And it's, I I just think it's so
3: interesting. I mean. I think it, yeah, it is interesting and it makes sense because, you know, the whole point of Trish is like, we're trying to normalize, normalize these conversations. And I, I, in hindsight, we, we see all this, but I, we can't go back and say, okay, if Eddie, let's say you were able to talk about that feeling, you were able to express and use words on like, why don't I feel good in this? And like, I could have the tools to be like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that too, would things be different? But I think because we live in a society where, you know, we have that American dream and it's like, it's one way and everybody's supposed to be on that path. When you're on that and as like Latinx people, you're just like, I should be grateful. I should be grateful that I have this job. I should be grateful that I have this partner. I should be grateful that I have these friends. And when you don't, when you feel off by that, you feel like you feel like selfish or you feel ba- like you're a bad person for feeling that. And it doesn't make sense. I, I know that feeling. And so it's one, it's one that. And then two, just not having the tools to like yeah. understand what that feeling is. Because if nobody's talking about it, you're just like, oh, I guess this is just the way everyone feels. Yeah.
1: I think our generation is. And when I say our generation, I mean a generation of people that come from parents who um, immigrated to this country to provide a better life for their kids, right? So they gave up, uh, not gave up, they um, they sacrificed uh, their careers, they sacrificed uh, being around their family, they uh, sacrificed comfort because you're coming to a completely new country where um, for the most part, you don't know the language. You uh, have to like figure out a completely new system. And so there is this guilt of, well, you know, my parents had to work these jobs where they didn't have the the privilege that I have where I'm like, you know what? I don't like this. Like I'm going to go and find a new job. And for them, it's like I'm so grateful that I have a job. Like, I'm so grateful that I can pay these bills, that I can send my kids to school. And a lot of times they do all this stuff and their success isn't centered around like, am I going to get a pay raise or will I get a better job? Their success is centered around, did my child go to college? Did my child graduate from college? Did my child get married? Did they buy that house? Right? Like now they have a house, which is something that I couldn't do. Now they have a college degree, which is something that I couldn't do. Now they have, you know, X and Y and Z, which is something that I couldn't do. And so it's like, so there's so much pressure on you to kind of level up the, like the lineage as like the generations keep going. But when that's not something that you want, you kind of have this, like, it's like these two opposing ideas in your mind where you're like, I'm grateful because I have this and I'm building up, right. I'm building up, I'm building up generational wealth. I'm, I'm building up, you know, my family, but I fucking hate this and I'm so unhappy and I don't want this. And this is me directly betraying myself because I know that I don't want this or I don't feel good in this, but I feel stuck because I don't know what else I need to
3: do. It's a lot. Yeah. And I think it's even harder when like, you don't even know how it feels like, to be happy yeah like how, what do you compare it to you're just like if you're like oh this is the best it's gonna be so i might as well just strap in and call it a day like there's plenty of times that i have felt that in my life as i you know mostly in my 20s and being like well i've climbed the corporate ladder this fucking sucks but i you know this is <laughs> it there's nothing better than this so
0: and this sucks the people suck like, <laughs> everything it, dude, like,
3: sucks there's a there's a <laughs> like it's a dumpster fire everything's on fire
0: like i don't fucking play golf like, <laughs> this
3: is, it's
1: like oh
0: uh,
3: no
1: bob i don't care that you went skiing this weekend <laughs> um
0: no but there's a lot of things that you uh yeah. a couple things that on as far as like uh having the tools in order to actually like challenge yourself um uh, mm-hmm. just want to circle back on that yeah. like yeah, I feel like yeah, we got fucked. Like, <laughs> Shen, Mexican American, like we're raised to be the providers. Put your head down, work, mm-hmm. uh, start a family, provide, and um, yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways they, they, they fuck us up. Like one of the latest things I remember was the this is something I challenged my boys with mm-hmm. is the whole concept of a uh, happy wife, happy life. Like no, done. Like you're not happy. So, yeah, you're doing everything to make your partner happy. Great, but definitely like checking on you. If you're not happy and she's not happy, bro, you should probably not be in. Yo, Eddie's uh, about to start hosting
3: seminars. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like yes, like all that it, it deteriorates. Like your just you and like slowly you get stuck in this um, position where you're numb and you just consistently go to the office do what you got to do stay late in the office because you don't really want to go home to uh, Mm -hmm. some men like their families or their Mm -hmm. partners their responsibilities and you go there go to sleep and you're just constantly not happy (laughs) throwing a mortgage now you're really locked in but we <laughs> don't fucking have to do that shit like you could legit just step away not start that family not get married with that person that you don't care about like that you don't you're not in love with you're nah. not happy with and not quit that job yeah like figure something else out so yeah no we definitely definitely got fucked on that end uh, <laughs> all, like all like my boys uh like men of color who uh, i speak to like are in this, uh, some of them like face these realizations and then just like, shit, yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna get out of this, or I got out of this, I'm much happier now. So, yeah, yeah, it's something like we don't talk about enough. And um I take every chance I could talk to uh, any like my boys to so, like to check in on them and ask them those questions.
3: Totally. It is.
1: It is so interesting because. I don't think for many of us that we saw love um, growing up. Like we didn't see the examples of self-love and we didn't see the examples of romantic love, right? We saw companionship and we saw care, but not love. And that has me all fucked up.
3: So, say more, because you've been very curious about this, about like care versus love. And I think it's super interesting.
1: I, I can't say that I quite know the, the full difference. But I think that. I grew up seeing two people that worked very well together in terms of like managing a life, taking care of kids, like making sure that their kids like their kids were like leveled up in terms of like these kids are going to do better than we did. Phenomenal job, A plus. <laughs> right. But I didn't see, um, I didn't see, I didn't see affection for each other. I didn't see um, caring about that other person's um, happiness, not necessarily saying that, you know, my, the, your happiness is my responsibility, but I didn't necessarily see that. I didn't see joy. I didn't see, um, I, I didn't, I didn't see any of that. Um, I saw like, I worry about you cause I want you to be good. I'm going to cook for you because I want you to eat. Cause you had a long day. I'm going to make you your favorite meal. Cause it's your birthday. I'm going to drive you somewhere. Cause that's where you want to go. I'm going to ask you if you ate today because I want to make sure that you are nourished. I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you this sweater because you don't have any sweaters and you need one. But I didn't, I didn't see that genuine, like, I'm so happy to see you at the end of the day. Let's talk. Let me challenge you. Let's challenge each other. Let me, um, let me set boundaries with you yeah. let me push you let me challenge you let me nurture you i didn't necessarily see that and so i think for a big part of my life i thought that loving someone meant that i cared for them
3: mm-hmm. that that was it just caring
1: right it, did, it and and we talk about love languages right like your love language is around words of affirmation it's, it's around, um, acts of service. But for me, it was like, okay, well, I'm gonna make sure that you're good. Like that you ate, you know, you, you need somebody to do laundry and do laundry for you. I'm going to do all these things for you. But sometimes that came at the expense of me where I didn't want to do that, where I was really tired or I just didn't feel like doing it. But that was love in my eyes. Yeah. I'm still really fucked up about it. I, no, I think that I think makes sense. I just sense. fucked some people up with it. They're going to leave here so confused. Like, what no, just happened? It
3: makes sense. I think caring and love is very different. And I think that, I think we can all say in some way or the other that we saw our parents show more care for us and maybe their partners and more like the love that you're describing. Like, I'm going to assume your parents didn't take the, their partner's bids. Like, I don't even think that's a thing. Like for that generation, right? Like it's it's about providing, it's about companionship. It's like, oh, we have kids, we need to make this shit happen. We're not going to connect on like that level at all because we are so busy being full time parents. Im- you know, immigrant immigrants in this country and just trying to get gets a yeah. completely different like level of stuff. And I also think because the generation it was like within our culture, this isn't this isn't normal in our culture to talk about this shit. Mm-mm. It's and, it's just about having children and making sure what everything you just said, that they're fed, that they go to school, that they're better off than they were. And that's it.
1: And and yeah, and I didn't like, I I grew up seeing that companionship, but I didn't grow up seeing like romance, dating each other or like-
3: You saw it in the movies. And then, right. you, then you get fucked that way. Because then you're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's
1: supposed to be perfect. But in, in the aspect of self-love- I also didn't see them dating themselves, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't see someone being like, this is what I like to do. So I'm going to prioritize that all the time. This is what makes me happy. So I'm going to do that for my own happiness before I do anything for you all. Because I also think in Latinx culture, what is um, praised a lot is the person who gives the most, who sacrifices the most, who's so selfless.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You lose yourself in that. Yes. Yes. You lose yourself in that. And like maybe another variable is I mean, some of our parents got started their families and got married at a very young age. Like teenagers or early twenties. Like you don't know shit. Shit, (laughs) I still don't know shit,
3: so they definitely didn't didn't know anything. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um uh, yeah. And you just go into that mode where you just are selfless and you never really checking on yourself.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there wasn't any room for that for that for yeah. for that generation, right? Like they were on survival mode. They were in a new country. They had kids. They were young. They were navigating life. They were trying to have a a companion to go through life with, and care for their family and make sure that everyone ate, that everyone had clothes, that everyone took a bath, yes. was was like food, shelter, like warmth, clothes. That's what they had, you know, the time and the tools and the resources for. And now our generation gets to like take that to the next level by saying, okay, that's important, but also we need to talk about emotions and we need to talk about love and we need to talk about loving ourselves. So our generation has a lot of work. <laughs> I need, yeah. I need a nap. I need a nap. I need a
2: nap.
1: So I just like went off on a complete tangent with like love versus care versus, you know, all the things, but you know, that's is the right episode for it. This is the right episode for it. Um, but I do want to talk about, um, you know, Eddie, you talked about being like a uh, first generation Mexican in the United States. Uh, being a man of color. And there are so many systems of oppression in this in the world, but also in this country, right? There's uh, white supremacy, racism. There are a lot of systems that exist that dictate to us or make us falsely believe that there is a um, order to things in terms of worthiness, and there are some who are at the top and then there are some that are like further down. It's this idea that there's someone better than you and potentially you're better than someone else, right? How do those systems of oppression, how have they impacted your ability to love yourself?
0: Um, yeah, they've working overtime on me, I feel um, <laughs> again, like just growing up, I think grew up the rent control department right by union square uh where uh yeah '88, growing up there in like the 90s it was already like very well you just feel the wealth all around you yeah uh and just being in that area um just walking out of school uh walking walking to school from home i went to school in the lower east side mm-hmm. so i would see that all my neighbors around me didn't look like me
2: mm-hmm.
0: and my neighbors around me definitely not in the same like um uh economic
2: Mm -hmm. area as me
0: um and yeah i automatically like there's you get this notion of okay um damn white people make money Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they're like uh there's something that's going on that uh makes them uh just carried themselves up there like superior mm-hmm. i didn't know any of my like in new york you don't really know your neighbors but like i really didn't <laughs> really know anyone. yeah um and walking in school it's like just 10, 10 minutes get to the lower east side and then i was around kids that all looked like me but none of them really lived around me they all lived in low like uh down in the lower east side mm-hmm. um uh, most of my friends were like living in like housing projects and um and, yeah, so I just, like, saw a difference, and for me, just at an early age, I was like, okay, well, um, I have to make money, I have to do this, so I have to kind of go towards this way and assimilate to this, like, culture mm-hmm. more uh, in order for me to get to those, um, to create that generational wealth to, uh, to get there, so, and they seem happy, um, so let me just keep trying to get there, so... I mean systems um like just there I, I we could go off of like gentrification because like that's not really where I like my parents didn't move there in the 70s and it was like that it was completely different mm. um but just little things like that were slowly building up to the point where finally when I was trying to build my career and trying to do that like. I wanted to work in finance and be that guy down on wall street and like wear the suit, be that guy. And I was slowly trying to get to these, um, fit into this culture. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I somehow through there, like I ended up losing myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to assimilate to that type of group of people and, despite everything i was doing like it just i don't know like it took a huge toll on me where i like somewhat like lost myself because um that superiority that every they would carry themselves with like i i never fit so i in a way it's a, subconsciously felt like inferior mm-hmm. if yeah. that makes sense
1: that makes a lot of sense did you
3: ever talk to anyone about that or was it just something that was In your mind and you just made that decision like this is this is what i see this is it seems like i just have to act like them be like them and i'll be happy and like i'll love myself or was it um conversations like did your parents talk about like you know socioeconomic classes and the differences between that and like you know white people versus mexican people like was that a conversation at all or was it just what you saw
0: I think there were just comments. There was no real conversation, but there's like just being immigrants from Mexico growing up in the Union, in Union Square. Like they were just like, oh, like, just the way they spoke just made it seem like it's the right group to be around mm-hmm. and not hanging out in the lorry. Like don't hang out in the lorry side. That's bad. Hang out here. This is good. Go with these friends. Like slightly nudges comments pushes slowly made me like um think that way Mm -hmm. um and despite what they said um like I yeah I just never really felt right but subconsciously I just set my goals were set based on those those like notions those comments
2: copy that I think it's so interesting because we
1: grew up going we went to high school we were not that far from wall street right so if you took the the on taking the train to high school you what's a
3: train i haven't taken a train in such i'm like what do you mean what's a train
1: (laughs) um the subway um you would take the train um whatever direction you were going right like i was going downtown from harlem and the people who were on your train were gonna get off in Wall Street. So you would see all these predominantly white people in their like really expensive suits reading their like Wall Street Journal, their New York Times. And it was like this lifestyle that you saw in movies, but also that was like right in front of you that was so close to you, but you couldn't really touch it. And you kind of wanted to have that, but it felt so far and like it's this idea of like, if you work hard enough, you can have that. And this idea of, I think I grew up with this idea of like the innocence and in whiteness. And like white people are so hardworking and look at them and they have all these things and they go to Wall Street and they have their jobs and they have their families. And then you go to college and you're like, yo, this is what white people do? Um, and your eyes are open, but it's it's also this this site, it it starts to create this notion of inferiority in you.
2: Yeah.
1: Of, of look at these people, look what they have. They have order in their life. They have, you know, this very clean presence. They have this like intelligence. And then when you compare it to what you're growing up around or what you have, you're like, okay. And then I live in this neighborhood where it's like, we're all just like trying to make it. It's, it can feel sometimes like a little bit chaotic. And I think it, it does, it, it does create a little bit of self-hatred in a way.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah
3: cool. 100%. I feel like for me, white supremacy and the patriarchy is like the reason why I struggled so long to love myself. It's sneaky. It's, it's very sneaky. But seeing that now and like looking back, I would have never figured that out had I not like dug into my feelings and started talking. Like, I feel like I I say a new thing every day to you. I'm like, oh my God, I just realized that the reason I don't like doing this is because of white supremacy. And you're like, yeah, duh. And I'm like, no, but like I figured it out. And so when I think back to like self-love and like not loving my, like that just hits home because it's constant comparison to something that like we will never have. It's chase. Mm -hmm. It's a chase of like this, this in this fake um, version of this self-love that you see in movies or your romance, all that shit. We're never going to hit that. It's never going to happen. And like, just being able to sit like, there's some beauty in accepting that and saying that out loud. But then when you do that, you're like, Kind of what we're talking about now. It's like, okay, so how do I love myself? And figuring that out, like that is—it's a scary. It's a scary thing to even like touch.
1: I think the piece of white supremacist delusion that fucks people up, particularly people of color, is this idea within white supremacy that. um there's a hierarchy. Like I mentioned, there's a hierarchy of things. So you can get, you're you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be white, but people, people chase that. Mm -hmm. Right. And they put their worthiness on that. You're not going to be white, but you can be better than someone else. Right. And so you, you couch your worthiness on like being better than someone else. And that fucks you up tremendously because that's how you end up chasing all of these things that are attributed to whiteness that don't make you happy, that actually make you hate yourself more. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But you think that in getting all of those things that you're going to have happiness, that you're going to have such a happy life, that you are going to um, just be better but it's really fucking up your ability to love yourself because you are putting all of your worthiness into getting higher on that kind of, um,
3: it's a ladder. Like Sonya Renee Taylor says, like um, her, you know, stuff you put me onto her and she had a episode with Brene Brown on unlocking us around this notion of this, this ladder, this ladder of like white supremacy and The whole idea around it is like, if this ladder exists, it means that you believe in this hierarchy. It means that your worth is tied to you being better than someone else. It's tied to you pushing someone else down so you can climb this ladder to whiteness. And as long as you're getting closer and closer and somebody has less than you, then you have value. And that thought just makes me like, it makes me want to throw up because like we have, we have. Like we have signed a contract with that. We have literally been playing that game for our whole entire life. We haven't known that that's what we've been doing, but sometimes I catch myself even doing it still, like, like thinking, comparing myself to other people. And it's like, if we think about things, self-love or value in having to compare to other people, we are contributing to this system. Of oppression and that yeah. ladder of just saying, I have value because I'm closer to whiteness than the person under me,
1: and it's having to work for that worthiness.
3: Yeah, and you're constantly chasing it. But as people of color, we need to know this. And I need everyone who's listening: we will never get to that. And the, if we just, as Sonia Renee, if we just like divest. Co- if we we divest and like just collapse this ladder, like then the system does it can't function without us. We are holding this shit up. We are holding it up and I think the more people figure this out, the more we'll start like reimagining what what worthiness means, what self-love means, what true compassion means. Like but we're so brainwashed in f- chasing this shit because it's everywhere. It's in our media, it's in our books. It's Like we're not told all the facts because they want us to be in this bubble and continue this system of oppression.
1: Yeah. And white supremacy is like having to prove yourself, having to work for that worthiness. And it is that it places that constant struggle on particularly people of color of you know, you're, you're towards the bottom of the ladder. So you got to, you got to work your way up. Like you have to put more hours in for that worthiness. You have to look a certain way for that worthiness. You have to get certain things for that worthiness. And so we grow up feeling or thinking that we will be worthy when we have X and Y and Z. How can you love yourself if you're constantly needing to prove that you're worthy. It's like such a fucked up system. Yeah.
0: Because you ever like take a step back and be grateful for who you are at that moment or mm-hmm. what you have then?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're constantly, yeah, just chasing and you're constantly unhappy with where you are now because you're not there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, some people get lost in that.
2: Yep. Absolutely. I love it. I mean, I get lost
1: in that sometimes, right? Like you do something great, and everyone else is like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" And you're like, "Yeah, it is." So you know what I'm really worried about now is about you know this next thing, and it's just never good enough. It, it's it's like we never live in gratitude and in being present. Yep, it's always about chasing and that. You know, that's capitalism. That's another episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's layered. <laughs> There's layers to this. There's layers to this. Um, So, you know, obviously, Eddie, you were at, you know, 1.0 when we were, you know, when you were like trying to go into finance and you were in finance, you were in this relationship and you were, you know, doing your thing. And now you're Eddie 5.0. Can you explain in detail what steps you took to get from Eddie 1.0 to Eddie 5.0 and what that journey was like
0: So very exciting uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh very very exciting. you gotta like go series out of it, but um I mean it all wasn't like like fun, happy, and dandy, I think in order to um to pivot um in order for me to pivot the way like I did, there had to be something like explosive. There had to be like this break, mm-hmm. Um, in order for me to like take a step back and really just like question everything. Um, and
2: yeah, I mean that whole,
0: I, I mean yeah, they had, I could probably tie it back to this one point where I had like a, I had a panic attack the first time um, and yeah at work we were working like crazy hours and I just I was at this two hour meeting and I consistently couldn't I just started feeling the way I never did mm-hmm. went to the bathroom a couple times put water in my face drank water drank coffee somehow that was not help me <laughs> uh walked back into the meeting and then at the end I just walked out and I realized what was like going on I was looking for I don't smoke cigarettes mm-hmm. like, I got I was looking for a cigarette, I was like okay, this is weird to calm down. Um, and now I just went to the doctor. Uh, to, we had a um, like a doctor in the building uh, where I work. Doctor said fine. Uh, you're probably having just like a panic attack. Just lay down, drink this water, and uh, don't worry. Like um, you could take a you could take a pill for it. Like um, there's people who are who medicate themselves because they have these problems um but don't worry like 90% of the people in this building are like medicated so you're good wow um, okay and yeah I'm laying down like nah like first of all like I don't I'm uh I'm not, like I'm me I don't have <laughs> that doesn't happen to me mm-hmm. so yeah this can't be a panic thing and then two um after I realized I said, that's what it was um yeah I walked back I'm like what the Fuck, I can't do this for the rest of my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and slowly things uh started to happen. Um um and yeah, I mean arguments and just things were happening that were changing my life that were like helping me like get out of certain relationships. Mm-hmm. Um and finally it got to a point where all those job and all that uh, like unhealthy relationships I was completely out of it mm-hmm. so that was kind of the end of 1.0 mm-hmm.
2: um
0: two was just going through the hardships of that like ended up trying therapy ended up um talking to friends and just really questioning everything um to the point of like what I like to do um everything everything where well, everything my relationships <laughs> And slowly through that, um, I started just to pick up certain little things of what I liked and didn't like, so um, yeah, I think the biggest part of all that were just getting to this point of vulnerability that I haven't been before, um, and just really having conversations about like what's been bothering me and um and just opening up on things that like um, uh, yeah, things that were what my own traumas um with friends and that it was tough but it really helped me like discover things about myself um that even just through conversation like helped me um I set me on like that right path um but yeah I think just having those conversations um, questioning a bunch of the stuff like set me to a path where I feel a lot lighter and um i am in this curiosity phase now where um i'm just gunning for everything that um that i like um and challenging things that don't make me feel good that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's been pretty good uh this year alone like um with everything going on and 2020, I got to a position where there were a lot of things that I didn't like that was going around about around me, Mm -hmm. Um, things that bothered me. So I decided to channel all that um, energy into finding creative ways to combat that. Mm -hmm. Um, And through that, I found that this type of work that I'm involved with now, uh, these ventures, are like really feeding my soul in a way that I haven't, uh, that I haven't been before with, uh, other ventures and it's a, it's a, it's a very heavy space. Um, things are probably very heavy problems that we're tackling. Um, but yeah, I, I feel I'm very uh what's the word? Empowered and I feel like I am finally aligned with um who I am and like what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I, everyone <laughs> my team and my friends all laugh about me. Uh it's me whenever I say fuck it, it's <laughs> uh my whole um that's your motto it's my motto now, but it's this I don't even know how to define it it's this: whenever I say that it's there's a problem that's at hand it's really big um it's bothering all of us and we come up with this crazy idea and yeah whenever I say fuck it it's like this next big thing that we'll end up doing <laughs> um and yeah it's aligning me to more of like uh to who I am and I'm I'm very happy. Now.
3: <laughs> I think that that's really, really I mean, obviously I'm biased here because I've I've been uh privileged enough to like watch you on this journey and just you know, seeing you transform into who you are today has been a true blessing because um I remember when you had that panic attack. You called me and just thinking about All the things that happened after and how we would talk and you were like, you know, you're like, yes, these are the things I'm really passionate about. And I don't real, I didn't realize I wasn't doing it and I just want to do it. You know, everything from art to music to like social impact, everything you said on those calls, Eddie, you are doing today. Yes. And I don't know if you've taken a step back to really like look at that. But there's so much like beauty in just that itself, um, that you are like truly loving yourself by following through like what felt true to you. And so, you know, for the people that don't know Eddie, like it's just inspiring to hear. And -hmm. like, I don't know if it's going to come through on the podcast. I hope it does. But, um, just thank you for sharing that. And I I really hope that this inspires people listening to like, get curious about that and like follow through on the things that they maybe want to be doing because that's what you're doing today. And I don't know, it's inspiring to me. I mean, you and I have been going in on, on these ventures and like, the reason it's been so fun for me is because of how authentic and, um, Passionate you are about these things like yeah when you say fuck it like you go all in like you won't sleep until this stuff is done not that i say you should not you, you should keep up all night but yeah. like that is your dedication and it's not because like it's a deadline to you it's more because like you want to do this i you, think
1: so uh, i 100 percent agree with that i just want to also like clarify the magnitude of this and tie it into self-love. So Eddie had a great job at a very reputable, like very well-known, like if you work in finance, you want to work at this company type of job. Like, you know, Eddie was living in the luxury building in Brooklyn and and all that stuff. He had the life that on paper, people are like, you're doing well, like you are doing amazing. And I think there are a number of people that find themselves in that situation where they're like, my life is amazing on paper. I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because it doesn't align with who you are and you're betraying yourself in living that life and you're not loving yourself. And in Eddie making the decision to remove all of those things from his life Eddie didn't know at that point, like, I'm going to leave this job, leave this relationship, leave this thing so I can do. Why? He left those because he was like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know that this is draining me and this cannot continue. Mm -hmm. So that's the piece of getting to self-love that is very difficult because you're not going to be like, I'm going to love myself. I realize that I hate this job, but this is my passion. I'm going to open a jewelry store. That's what I'm going to do. You're like, I don't like this job or I I actually feel horrible when I'm with this person. um, Even though they seem great on paper, I'm going to leave this person. I don't have another person that I'm going to be with. I'm going to leave this person and I'm going to find my journey of who I am and what I want and what I'm going to give myself before I invite someone that's going to compliment my life. That's the part of the self love that is incredibly difficult, yeah, because there's That's a true. lot of uncertainty
3: that is very true, and I'm sure, Eddie, like how I mentioned before, like did you feel like like what I was saying, like this is the best it's gonna be, like I should just put up with this
0: uh back yeah, at one point no stage, yeah, I thought that was that was it I was like, okay, yeah, this is right, I'm on the right path, this is gonna be my life. I know this is nuts, this is here, but just put Band-Aid on it or just ignore and just like continue. Yeah. Um, and I think that freaked me the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, living like that for another, what, 20 years, 30 years, it just sounded completely terrifying.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think you, you had an inkling of what made you happy. It's just that when what makes you unhappy or what doesn't align with, what's not in alignment with you, when that takes up most of your life, it's hard for you to, because you're numbing all of that, right? You don't just, you know, as Brene Brown says, when you numb, you numb everything. You don't just numb the bad emotions. You also numb the good ones. So it's hard to, when you're numbing all those negative emotions that you have throughout most of your week, when you do, like you would go to the museum, you would, Go look at all these exhibits that were centered around race. You would watch, you know, read these articles, read these books, like go to these different talks that were all around the things that you're passionate about. But I think because that was such a small part of it, and then you had to go back to the piece that you had to numb. It was hard for you to like feel that instinct or that voice inside of you that was saying, this is it. This is where you need to be. This is where you need to go.
2: Sex. it's hard out here
0: yeah yeah no no yeah that's that's it like i it was something there that was telling me to like just get, get out <laughs> like, yeah um and despite uh despite like it being as loud as it was to be noticeable i mm-hmm. um, mean kind of starting that starting to explore that i think um those, I mean, the things that we got fucked and just growing up, like, and just society just forcing me to just uh, adapt to this and make the best out of this, because this is the right life that you should yeah. have, the one that's on paper. And yeah, um, it just wasn't working out. But I think the only true way for me to transition uh, from then to now was that explosiveness of just like fuck this mm-hmm. move move away completely get out of remove all that from my life and just go out into the unknown and figure it out which was just ridiculous which was just scary it's mm-hmm. lonely at times it, it was lonely like and just just not having that path is terrifying but um through that um you're forced to listen to that voice and um kind of uh feed it And that's what's been going on in the last few years where I was interested in food justice um, and education and stuff. So I got involved with this nonprofit work um, and I got started getting more curious about the arts and Mm -hmm. just race and how like race and fine art works. Mm -hmm. And I started getting involved with museum work. And yeah, little by little, just I started to listen to that voice and it really just flowed to this point where when um, George Floyd um, was murdered um, and things were really going down, um, me, I just, I have that protective type of personality. I always feel like I have to do something to protect someone else, uh just being I guess, older brother and just being my ex and just be me. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew, like, I had to do something when it came down to all that. Um, and I was in a position where I had the privilege where I wasn't tied down to, uh, like, a nine-to-five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was, I was able uh, to go out and, like, protest on that first weekend here in New York. And um, I was really able just to process what i what i was feeling about this which mm-hmm. i didn't know how it was so many emotions that were going on um so many old traumas that were coming up but mm-hmm. that voice was like got louder and mm-hmm. after that like first week um yeah that's when after protesting out in um dc and for a week um yeah i called Yessie and like i had this like idea and that idea came from this voice that brought in uh, this focus on social justice brought in uh, supplying brought in art brought all this stuff in and that voice was just like uh do something that's where like signs for blm came out and it's we've been able to provide like thousands of signs to people Mm -hmm. protesting and we really were able to position ourselves to empower um a lot of the activists that are on the ground and Yeah, I mean I I always I never really stopped to think about this work or this stuff that we've been doing, but um we've really made like a big big impact in this already and it's because I was able to like listen to that voice and um challenge myself and um yeah, just literally just put myself out there. So all these little things weren't weren't would not have come into fruition if it wasn't for all those steps that happened before that uh, with removing myself. Cause we spoke about how I, if this was going down back and I was still in corporate America, like I probably would just shut my phone off like social media and everything and try to like numb myself in order to avoid all that trauma, to avoid any of those emotions and completely silence that voice because I had to like focus on this. So, um, yeah, that's crazy.
2: <laughs> no,
3: that's awesome. Yeah. Shout out to you. I mean, huge impact. And, um, if anybody doesn't, who isn't listening, check out signs for BLM, um, find them on Instagram. It's some great work there. And you're right. I don't think that signs for BLM would have been, would have existed had you not taken that leap, um, and left those toxic environment. Um, and here you are crushing it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: um, you now you're at Eddie 5.0, but we're still living in a racist white supremacist patriarchal goals, patriarchal patriarchal whatever <laughs> society. Now that you have those tools in place, How are you continuing to grow to love yourself, interacting with these systems, as a man of color?
0: Um, It's tough. Uh, I think so. It's all you feel it every day. I feel it every day, Um, and there's a lot of times like it'll keep me up because it's just something. It's all. It's very heavy shit, Mm -hmm. and I feel like the type of work that uh, we've been doing puts us literally like on the front line of this um and i don't know it's very strange but there is this weird comfort in i've protested over for months like Mm. over, yeah probably like 50 75 times already Mm. but there's this weird sense of calmness while you're surrounded with people of color that are experiencing that trauma too. And yeah. we could talk about it. That um is real um it's, it's like real therapeutic. So I tend to now really be um very selective on who I surround myself with and who I'm vulnerable with mm-hmm. and who I'm able to have these conversations with. um uh this is just really heavy the really heavy work and really heavy s- emotions that you deal with and traumas that you need to like release that and share it with people. Um, sometimes it doesn't really something that specific conversation doesn't really just sometimes just like, let, like speaking about it, um, yeah. helps out. Um, so that for me, I'm like absolutely grateful for. That's something that I've been doing to focus on to ensure like my own like self love, mm-hmm. um, to not contain it anymore like i have for 30 years yeah so um here's that um, before and then there's just other things that i've been doing like um i'll check in on a couple people especially during these times and before uh i was injured uh before i ruptured my achilles a month ago i was really focused on just um channeling channeling this energy that i have uh physically which was, cycling running and exercise uh for me and uh that had to, had to change that because now i'm injured but now i'm just like engulfed like reading and just doing small little things to make sure like i'm good but i think the biggest thing for eddie 5.0 uh, to check in on himself for self-love uh, i think it's just like having those conversations with uh people that i you know align with
1: And I think that you are able to, because you've gotten to a point where you love yourself and you know what your needs are and you're able to provide those for yourself. I think it's, I've seen that it's much easier for you to identify when someone's not giving you that. Mm. Because now you know how to give it to yourself. Like sometimes you'll walk away from a conversation and you're like, yeah, I was totally flat. Like I was just giving a lot. I I was giving a lot in the conversation. I wasn't getting anything back yeah and i don't know that
2: yeah,
1: no. I, I don't think eddie 1.0 would have been able to identify that i think eddie 1.0 would have tried to just give more to fill in the gaps for that person or that environment oh, yeah
0: yeah i always try to impress i always try to be like the uh, uh what is it the uh, yeah, that person that makes everyone else feel good in the mm-hmm. room, which uh, I give myself like nonstop.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, whereas now I'm just like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> like yep. if none of this is feeding me in any way. Like yeah. I'd have to like I gotta walk away from this. It's, it's not for me. I um, I read. It,
1: I should not say read because it was a meme. You know, you still have to read a meme, but it was. <laughs> it it yeah. really left me thinking because it was like people pleaser like if we just think about it for a second it's just someone who's trying to control other people's perception of them mm. and i was like damn that is so true
2: that's deep
0: it's a deep meaning
1: and that that's a sign that because we some people are just like i'm just a people pleaser and and it's kind of like a It's like we take it as like a positive of like, oh, you just want to make everybody feel good. And you just, you know, you want to make sure everything's all good, that, you know, there's peace, everyone feels good. But when you think about it as like you're just trying to control other people's perception of you, to me, it signifies you don't love yourself. You don't love yourself enough to feel comfortable in saying, and you said this, Eddie, when you were at like Eddie 3.0, you were like, I want to walk into a room and for it to radiate in that room what I'm about. Yeah. Right. It's like when you don't love yourself, you want to control what other people think so that they can like you. But when you get to the point where you truly love yourself, you're you're feeding yourself everything you need. So if people in that room don't like you, they don't have the right perception of you. Maybe that hurts a little because we're human, but you don't feel so much the need or you're able to have the tools to stop yourself from Forcing them to like you or overexerting yourself to get their approval because you have your own approval.
0: Yep. You know what you're aligned with. You know what your goals are. You are just striving to it. and If it doesn't really feed anything, any of those, then no. Then you like, fuck it. Just walk away.
1: Fuck it. You see, there it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, just walk away. Yeah. <laughs> and like... A lot of that is, yeah. And I think part of this too is, um, you mentioned was, yeah, uh, part of like loving yourself is also like learning how you this is where I'm exploring is like how you want to be loved.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and through this time, um, that has also evolved because the way that I wanted to be loved in the past, like before, is not has like evolved um and a big part of that is like it's recession- specifically with uh, a lot of this work around like social justice is like things that things that anger me yeah. um in my circle um i'm expecting everyone else to be uh, very angry about um and like I, I, there's this shared trauma that we have and, and those those are like triggers so i know who to call when things are going when shit's going down right. um and there's just again i don't know if this ties back to the um the sense of shared trauma and comfort in that mm-hmm. um but like that's where i'm slowly like learning that um is the space that like i want to be yeah um and yeah again like that's something i'm still exploring but that uh, notion of how like i want to be loved is has evolved and there's relationships that i've had in the past that i've uh, moved away from because i'm not getting that from
2: Mm -hmm. them yeah that totally
3: makes sense i think especially with um, the climate in this country right now i think that we're all in kind of that level where we just we don't want to have to translate trauma anymore. Like we Mm. just want to be able to be in a space where that, that language barrier is no longer a thing. Like we can sit in it and like be there for each other and like make space. And it's not about making someone else comfortable and being that people pleaser. It's like, no, I'm going to exist in the way that in the most authentic way possible. I'm not going to adjust who I am to make you comfortable. I just want to be and I think that that's completely valid, okay, and the way it should be, to be honest um so I relate a lot to that a hundred percent um
1: Eddie, to close off, what tips do you have for any listeners, particularly men of color, who are trying to figure out what it means to love themselves?
2: Um, tips uh yeah. If- Take a step back,
0: talk to your boys, and um, really just question everything. Like it's fine to um, really question, like just question your happiness, question like your goals, um, question like uh, the way you want to be loved. Um, There's a lot of things that we've been raised. Um, there's a way we're like raised, um, and there's these like goals, and there's these examples that have been all around us, um, that sometimes aren't ours like our thoughts, Mm -hmm. uh, our goals. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, there's with all there's a lot of specifically, like just like men of color, like there's a lot of pressures, um, just growing up here and. Um, the u s and like they really drain you and s- sometimes like just they rip you apart <laughs> but tips I recommend um yeah, bro go to therapy dog <laughs> go to therapy <laughs> um ask all these questions and um forget if anything, just forget the notion of like happy wife, happy life make sure you're mm. happy bro.
3: I love that. I think it's important to say that to men. Happy wife, happy life is problematic as fuck in many ways. And also, you should be getting curious about why you think that's okay. Um, Because, Yeah. yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, you're betraying yourself. Like, you're not even living, you're not even in the relationship for you. You're in it for them and what they need. So, very well said.
1: I also want to share what I've learned from Eddie. In his um, journey, of just what a, have you learned?: Just a couple of things. I think we laugh at, you know, like Eddie's always talking about like Eddie 5.0, Eddie 6.0. but I think I think that's really valuable in the sense of you don't have to be everything right now, right? Like that gets into perfectionism. And that takes away from you being able to love yourself when you're like, well, I want to be this person that doesn't get triggered. I want to be this person that doesn't, you know, do all these, you know, do all these things that you can find wrong. I think there's a lesson there that's twofold and love yourself for who you are right now and where you are right now and for whatever, you know, what, whatever you show up as love yourself for that, but also dream of a world and and dream of who you want to be and continue working towards that little by little so that you can get to, you know, yourself 2.0, yourself 3.0, but imagining what that means in terms of your work, like your inherent worthiness, how you're going to feed that happiness for yourself and what that means on those levels. And I think that's, I think that's so important because even I go to therapy sometimes and I'm like, listen, and Stephanie 5.0, this is, you know, where I want to be. Like, I don't want to be triggered by this. How can I get to that point? And that's the sort of stuff that I think helps me with a framework. The other thing that I've learned from Eddie is that um, we can't live life filling in the gaps for other people. Right. So like filling in the gaps for, um, the dreams that our parents had that they didn't get to accomplish. And now we feel that burden to like do it, even though we're not happy, the, uh, can't fill in the gap for like the conversations that we wish that someone would reciprocate, but we are just around the wrong people and they're not reciprocating it. Right. The gap for, uh, the love that you are forcing a partner to give you, but that you cannot give yourself. Mm -hmm. So you don't know how to verbalize what you need. We can't live life filling those gaps for other people. And so there's a constant evaluation that needs to happen in regards to what do I need to be fulfilled for my life to be fulfilled for myself? How can I fulfill that for me before I can ask that of anyone and before I can give that to anyone? So they're just the two things that I've learned from Eddie that I want to impart on other people. Thank you for the lessons,
3: Eddie. <laughs>
2: yeah, you all there.
1: Awesome. Thanks. You can catch that in his book called There's Levels to This.
3: Nah, it's going to call, be fu-
1: called <laughs> Fuck It. Like, that's the title. Fuck It, colon, There's Levels to This. <laughs> oh, I like that.
3: I don't like it. I like it.
1: Hello. Come on, we can fit them all
3: eddie anything else you'd like to touch on before we uh we end this convo
0: um no i mean yeah it could be a whole series on this but <laughs> i think i uh, just want to say thank y'all um this specific uh podcast um has yeah it's helped me like challenge a couple things um and question things throughout like my own journey um -hmm. and now i appreciate like everyone that's been on this to like being vulnerable and like sharing their perspective it's definitely helped me um throughout this process so shout out to y'all
3: thank you thank you and thank you for being vulnerable and for agreeing to come on the podcast um i look forward to more conversations here so thank you All right, y'all. Till next time. Bye. Bye.